0: Buongiorno! Yes guys, it's the 25th of September. This is episode 8 of The Modern Day Leader and I cannot believe that we're nearly in October, like literally uh, a couple of months and it will be Christmas and I cannot wait. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I said this on the last episode, again another week has gone by. We've got about, I think, 88 days until Christmas. Are you on track to finish this year strong? or are you just coasting, or are you going backwards? And again, every single week is an opportunity, every single day, with every breath that you take, there's an opportunity to start again. So if you're not happy with the way things are going, you have this opportunity from this moment to do something about it, and never forget that. It's something that is incredibly empowering if you genuinely take action and recognise that you have the power to change your life at any given moment. So in today's episode... I thought it'd be really cool to share my story, basically like how I've got to this point today to pretty much share from when I was born up until the, the ripe old age of 35 and just share the some of the challenges, some of the setbacks, some of my background just to give people a little bit of an understanding as to how my journey's gone and to, to recognise that it's not all been plain sailing. And I'm pretty sure that a, a lot of you that are listening to this will relate to certain stories, will relate to certain feelings. I think most of us have been heartbroken. Most of us have had to deal with some kind of tragedy, setbacks, difficult periods of our life. And the goal is really just to be honest, to share the good, the bad and everything in between, share some of the lessons. And for me, my Story that the the reason why I want to share is to hopefully inspire somebody else to help you on your own journey. And you know, I'm far from a complete person, I'm far from perfect. There's things that I need to improve, things that I want to improve, but I'm really proud of the person that I've become. You know, what I've achieved in my own way, I'm really, really proud of that. And again, this is to share my own story, to be honest, to be open and to try and inspire other people to follow their dreams, to keep going and to build a life that you're proud of. So let's dive in folks. So first of all, like let's talk about the early years. So it all started for me on the 26th of August, 1988. Crazy. It just feels so old now. I'm getting closer to 40 than I I was 30. But I was born in Bury, in Greater Manchester, in a hospital called Fairfield Hospital. And I grew up, uh, pretty much lived in Bury for the first 10 years of my life. My mum and dad were together initially, um, and we lived on this street called scale Close. And some of my first memories were me dressing up as a fireman with this taft fireman's hat. I was obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I loved this show called The Micah Bison. Micobis- bike mice from Mars, I think it was called. It was basically these cool mice with like eye patches on and like these crazy motorbikes and they were basically like shoot baddies and I just remember being obsessed with it. I also remember like when I was about five to six years old getting into karate. So me and my dad used to go down to the local karate club and I absolutely loved that because that was my way of connecting with my dad. We would go to karate three times per week. I would come home from school and I would practice my karate and I just believe that was the kind of set point for my discipline that has followed through throughout various chapters of my life, which I'm going to share with you a bit further into this podcast. But I loved doing karate. I remember as well, like loving films. And I remember going to Blockbuster and I think it was like the summer holidays. I was probably about five or six. I think I'd only just started school and we'd exhausted all the movies in Blockbuster. And my mum kept saying, watch this film called The Mighty Ducks. And I was like, I don't really fancy it. It just didn't grab my attention. And I was like, okay, well, I've got no choice. I've, I've watched everything so far. So let's give it a go. And if you've not watched The Mighty Ducks, you've not lived. It's it's a film about kids playing ice hockey and I watched it and I became obsessed with ice hockey and I I said to my mum and dad like can I start playing? So long story short, they took me to Blackburn, we watched a game and they, they took me to these lessons called stick and puck, lessons where you learn how to skate, you learn how to handle the puck and then eventually you get good enough to play for one of the teams so that was a huge part of my life really from the ages of six to about 10 to 12 years old i watched the mike ducks god knows how many times i'm surprised that the videotape if anybody remembers videotapes was still going because i must have watched it about 100 times no joke And I was just obsessed with playing. We used to play out in the street. So we lived at the bottom of this close and all the the kids there would put on their rollerblades. We got a couple of nets, um, like a couple of those fake goalies that you put in the nets where you just shoot pucks. And we would play for hours and hours and hours. And I'm not sure if you've seen this film, those of you that were born like late 80s, early 90s, you probably have watched it. It's called The Sandlot Kids about these kids that play baseball in America. And they're basically just, best mates and they go on these adventures and it's just an incredible incredible film and one that was one of my favorite films but my kind of childhood was like that you know we didn't have Facebook we didn't have Instagram you had to go outside you had to play football we played this game called Kirby where you would have to throw a ball against the curb and if you hit it you got one step closer we would be out for summers on our roller skates playing eating ice lollies and when I look back at my childhood it was you know, those first early years were pretty magical. And yeah, I was just obsessed with sport. I was obsessed with karate, hockey. I did really well in my karate. Um, I ended up getting my black belt at nine years old. Me and my dad both got our black belts. And even to this day, I think that's one of the biggest achievements because I ended up becoming, back then, I think the youngest black belt in the country for Sugar Kai Karate. So that for me was kind of like, wow, if I practice, if I put in the work, I can, can, be, I can become good at whatever I put my mind to. That was a belief that was embedded from a very young age. Then from like about eight till 12 years old it was a difficult patch you know for four years. I remember it being pretty difficult. There were moments of happiness but long story short my mum and dad split up and um, we moved from Berry, which was where all my friends were living to a place in Rochdale called Whitworth and we lived in this lovely house at the top of a hill. It was like a farm type area. But I moved away from all my friends. My mum and dad were going through a breakup which was really hard. It was very, very difficult for them both. And I remember just feeling a little bit lonely, a little bit lost. My whole world kind of felt like it was swept from under my feet and we'd gone from having this quite set, stable family life to all of a sudden my mum doing everything you know, pretty much by by herself or seeing our dad at the weekend. And moving to a school where yeah, I went off the rails a little bit. I, I did misbehave. Some of the, the guys there weren't the best. Like their idea of fun was like throwing stones at car windows and just getting up to mischief. So that was a really, really difficult patch. And then once that had kind of settled down, my mum couldn't afford to to stay in the house that we we're living in. Then we moved to Berry. So we moved back to Berry, And again, that was a rough patch because we had to kind of move into quite a rough area. You know, if you had anything nice... The you the, would stand out your stick out like a sore thumb and become quite targeted if you were to smile at somebody on the street they would call you a gay boy rather than you just seeing you as just being a polite guy it was it was quite an intense atmosphere and to be honest with you that those periods of my life was really really difficult we went from having a stable life like not mega rich but not poor just just comfortable like we didn't go without and we could you know, I could do ice hockey. I always felt like supported and loved as a kid, but it was a really difficult patch. Then we went to high school. So obviously, the years of like eleven to to sixteen, high school, the the acne started to appear. Um, you know, you start looking at your mates and my role in school. To be honest, I didn't really see the value in school. I was in the bottom set for everything, uh, and I don't think it was because I was necessarily stupid. It's just because I was like, why would I do my homework? Why do I want to learn about? French I'm never going to move to France that was my kind of like naive mindset at the time and I was known really at school as being a bit of a class clown so I would crack jokes I would do mischievous things I was never like bad as in like do anything really harmful and I've never bullied anybody but I would tell jokes I would you know throw stuff when the teacher wasn't looking I remember a kid called David Webb I remember one maths class, me nicking his pencil case when he wasn't looking, wrapping it up in tape and then throwing it out of this top story window and then pretending to fish and then my maths teacher walking in. And yeah, basically I, I got thrown out of the class for that. And also a teacher, our graphics teacher, Mr Davenport, who was quite a, a strict character and he went out the room to get something and he left his blazer so I put on a blazer I used my uh, index finger like a mustache because he had a mustache and I started impersonating Mr Davenport and then everybody in the class just went white as a ghost and the mouths st- opened the jaws dropped and Mr Davenport was stood behind me and yeah I remember getting excluded and I was I was bad at school I was cheeky uh, I was on red report I was in the bottom set for everything and yeah, long story short, I only left school with five GCSEs. I did well in maths. I think I got a B in maths. I got an A in P and I got a B in science. And then I think I got a couple of Cs in English. I just about scraped it, but... Yeah, it's safe to say I wasn't very clever. Um, but yeah, I loved school. Like I had a lot of good mates there. Um and yeah, Kieran Trippier. I'm not sure if you've heard of the footballer. Kieran Tripper plays for Newcastle, plays for England, but he also went to the school. So there's a lot of good footballers, very like athletic school, a lot of like talented kids. And yeah, that was my kind of like era at high school. I was still doing the hockey. Um, I would come home every single day. I would do like 10 laps around my block. I would do stick drills with like a golf ball. I would do plyometric drills. And I started studying exercise just out of interest. I would watch hockey tapes, how to improve your technique. So while school was going on, outside of school, everything revolved around ice hockey. I was was going to the rink, you know, three times per week. I was actually doing figure skating as well. So my figure skating coach was a lady called Karen Barber. She used to be one of the judges on Strictly dancing on ice or whatever it's called. No, not strictly dancing on ice, dancing on ice. So yeah, I pretty much I was either at school or I was living at the rink at the weekends. We were traveling to places like Solihull, Grimsby, Sheffield. Um, I was actually playing at Blackburn then. So my life outside of school was ice hockey and I was obsessed to become the best. That's when I started doing fitness. I started lifting weights when I was about 14 years old, just doing bicep curls and just basic stuff. And I started developing this interest for sport. So once I'd left school, um, I was playing ice hockey. It was at a good standard. I lived out in Canada for a period of time, but I knew I wasn't going to make it. In my head, for the last six years, maybe from the age of like 10 to 16, I thought in my head I could maybe make it as a professional ice hockey player. And that was my life. That was my future. That's what my obsession was. And when I went to Canada, I realised, even though I was a good player, in the, in the UK, you know, probably one of like the top 10% for, for the leagues that I was playing in. In Canada, I was just a small fish in a very, very big pond. So that was really difficult for me because I went to Canada thinking I might have a chance and I quickly realized I didn't. And I came back and I was very, very depressed. Like looking back, I was depressed. I didn't even know what depression was. But I was very depressed. I would stay in my mum's house. Um, I would just eat chocolate all day. There were times where I didn't even leave the house and it was really, really difficult. I'd kind of lost touch with a lot of my school friends. Um, I participated in college for like one day and I just dropped out because I was like, how have I gone from like potentially living my dream in Canada playing ice hockey to then go into Berry College and studying something that I didn't even want to study. So I dropped out, and I didn't tell my parents I dropped out, and I just stayed at home. Basically, when my mum would go out to work, I'd pretend I'd go to college, I'd do a lap around the block, come back, and I'd watch stuff like Trisha, if anybody remembers Trisha, you know, Jeremy Kyle, those kind of shows, and I would just stay in, and I was depressed. Like, I, I, I just thought, I do not know what I'm going to do in my life, and that was a really, really, really difficult era. The only thing I think really that kept me going uh, without kind of going too deep is my my training. I was still training. I was still lifting weights. I had like a bench, some dumbbells. I had like this squat rack. And that two hours of training that I was doing each day kept me going. That was the only thing that I was living for. It, It was a really, really difficult patch. And then after a couple of years of bumming about, I got a couple of jobs. I got a job in TK Maxx where I lasted two days. I got a job in JD Sports where I lasted two days. I got a good job in a company. That my mum's friend was like high up in, um, which was a great opportunity, you know. At the age, I think I was about 16, 17 at the time. Um, you know, going into like a 20000 pounds a year job, you get a company car after six months, a great opportunity. But I just went in and again after two days I left because I was just looked around me and everybody was there. They were miserable, they were overweight, they were out of shape, and I thought, this isn't a life that I want to want to get. But that was difficult because I had kind of pressure, positive pressure from my parents saying that I need to do something. I need to, eat to either go to college or work. I didn't want to go to college. The work that I thought I had to do, I didn't want to do. So that's quite a lonely and isolating place. And then after like a couple of years of bumming about, not really doing much with my life, not having any friends, living quite a lonely and sad existence... I thought, right, I need to start afresh, I need to move out of Berry. I need to start afresh, so I moved to Brighton, which is where my mum's from, and I lived with students, so I was, I was a young kid, I was 18 at the time, and I'd gone to college a couple of years later than was originally planned, and I built a new life for myself in Brighton, which was really scary, one of the scariest moments of my life, because even though I wasn't happy in Bury, um, I at least had my comforts, I didn't have to face much challenge, so going to a new place, meeting new friends, not knowing anybody was something that I felt like I needed. I needed a fresh start, but it was also really difficult. But I went to Brighton for two years, had an incredible time, met some really good friends, loved it. Like started going out on Fridays, we would have a few drinks and I just loved it. I was so, so happy in Brighton after the first couple of years. And I wanted to stay there. Um, if they would have done a sports science degree, I would have stayed there. But the, the local, the closest place to Brighton was Eastbourne, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from Brighton. And I went there, I just didn't get a good vibe. So I was faced with a choice. Like I'd, I'd had, I built up this new life. I was really happy there. I was still going to the gym. Um, I'd, I'd stopped my ice hockey at that point because I just knew that I wasn't going to make it. But I was really happy. And then again, I was faced with a decision. Do I get a job in Brighton or do I continue studying? And I decided to continue studying, moved to Sheffield, uh, stud- studied sports science at Sheffield Hallam University. And again, that now brings me to my next chapter, which was from the ages of like, say, 20 to 25, where I was at university. And again, that was a interesting patch because I had to start a fresh start from the beginning again. I didn't know anybody in Sheffield. Moved into this the uni halls called Exchange Works. Met loads of really good friends. But again, I went off the rails a little bit. My first year at uni, my attendance was five percent. That meant that for every hundred lectures or seminar that were on, I only went to five of them. And I was going out. I was partying. I was smoking. I was drinking. I was taking drugs. It was like I was like living like a rock star star lifestyle, but without the rock star paycheck. I'd built up a little bit of money just because I'd ended up getting a job as a car valitor and I did that for a year and I was as I was living at home I could you know I had I think I had a couple of thousand pounds saved up but that quickly went the first six months I was buying clothes I was going on nights out five to six times a week and again I got myself into a hole because I went to uni to get a degree but I was bumming about I, I was nocturnal I was literally waking up at like three o'clock in the afternoon and I was going to bed at five o'clock in the morning that was my life and I got myself into a real bad rut again kind of experienced that depression again like what am I doing with my life I was still training you know training has been like a really constant theme throughout my life I believe it's like my coping mechanism it's it's my way of handling stress but those times throughout unit, especially the first couple of years were quite dark just going out partying getting shit-faced pardon the French but a couple of blessings that did come out of that is one, I met Sally, who's now my wife, we've been together for for nearly fifteen years, and she has had a profound impact on my life. She has, she loves me like my mother loves me. She understands me. She's seen me at my worst, and she's she's seen the potential in me. She's stuck by me through all the difficult hardships, and I think that was one of the changes. Like the last year at university. was nine of us living in in, in this house and it was great fun but I realized I was like I can keep bumming about and leave university without a degree or this last year I've got to just get my head down I've got to come out with a degree and I chose the latter option and ended up leaving with a 2-1 which I was really pleased with and I just started to realize that this party lifestyle was just taking its toll on me I was becoming a person I wasn't happy with I was massively insecure despite being in really good shape and you know considering myself as like a, a decent looking guy but I was just deep down miserable and um, you know, using marijuana with with my friends, using drink to kind of mask up sadness, lack of purpose. But then I decided, you know what, I need to get what I came here for. And I actually left with a uni degree. Then that uni bubble all finished. And again, I had to start again. I knew I didn't want to go into a job. I tried those corporate jobs in the past. I knew I didn't want to continue studying. I'd kind of studied for, for the last you know whatever it was pretty much all of my life and I decided I wanted to start a business I knew I loved the gym back throughout university I was training at the gym every single day for like two to three hours that was again something that just kept me stable made me feel good And I knew I I knew how to help people get in shape. I was still very basic with my knowledge, but I knew what it took to get in shape. i would read so much throughout university. I'd watch YouTube videos of people like Greg Plitt, Steve Cook. Like I knew a lot. And this was back in the day before all the Instagram influencers were on. So I was kind of ahead of the curve of what most coaches were doing back then. So I started a business called LEP Fitness and again freaking heck those were now the next two hardest years of my life I'd left university my dad had supported me throughout university and Giving me money and supporting me, and I got student loans and grants. So, money wasn't really an issue for me. But then, all of a sudden, my dad politely said, Right, Nick, there's kind of like three months to help you after uni. But after that, like, you've got to kind of become your own man. He didn't say those exact words, and I knew he would always support me. But it was also like a sense of pride, like, actually, you know what? Now it is time to start earning a living, to start becoming a man. So, I started a business from scratch very very difficult i was still smoking i was still going out a couple of times a week i was still training i was still fit but starting a business was probably the hardest thing that i've done in my life i remember applying for like a 500 pound grant at university where i got like loads of flyers business cards i remember handing them out me and my friend uh, a guy called ryan dutton he helped me design this flyer and what we did was we took the domino's pizza voucher you know like when you see like 50% off and you've got all these deals that you used to be able to like basically honor like 50% when you spend over 30 quid we copied that but we changed it to coaching so it's like 50% off 12 coaching sessions or whatever it was and that's how I started I remember going to Encliffe Park in Sheffield and just handing them out on a summer's day, posting things through people's letterboxes, and I handed out all these flyers I think I handed out 500 flyers and nobody signed up It was so so difficult. We were living off my wife's wage. She was on I think about eight pounds an hour. She was a nanny. I was going to the shop and paying for cigarettes on her card, paying for alcohol on her card. And it's safe to say, I just felt very very low again, very very depressed. There were days where I just spend in bed, not speaking to anybody, not even drawing the curtains, and just thinking, "Oh my gosh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this." It was so so bad it was really again another couple of years where I I think really looking back I was I was depressed Um, and then I got my first breakthrough I was posting stuff on Gumtree I was posting stuff on Facebook and one person signed up from Gumtree I think it was like seven pounds a session and they bought 10 sessions and that just gave me this confidence like okay I've got one person if I get one person maybe I can get two people and it just gave me that confidence to be like okay maybe one per that one person believing in me that's all it took for me to think maybe I can do this and then I got another person, I think it was through Sheffield Forum. And after about three months then, I got like five clients that I was coaching. So I was getting a bit of income. It wasn't enough to live. We were still living off size wage, but that started to give me more confidence. And then again, six months in, things were quite slow. I applied to get a deal on Groupon and we agreed to put an offer for 12 coaching sessions. And I think it was six quid. So I figured out that Once they took in their commission, I was working for 60p a session. But I think there was about 50 people, or between 30 and 50 people that got that deal. So that meant that basically I had 30 to 50 clients. Okay, I was working for 60p a session. It wasn't sustainable. But I knew that if I could get myself in front of people, show that I was passionate, show that I was in good shape, and show that I could help these people, that a handful would actually sign up to full packages, and they did. And pretty much after doing those three months where I was working for 60p a session and working my backside off to get this business up and running, a lot of people signed up. I think there was about 15 to 20 people that signed up at the end of it for like 300 quid packages. So all of a sudden I had this massive amount of cash compared to where I was and it meant I could live for like the next six months comfortably. And what I decided to do was kind of keep two months behind me because I always wanted kind of eight weeks security. And I got a website built. I started doing like Google AdWords to get me to the top of Google and then started to do really good things with clients, get really good results. So referrals were starting to come in. And then over that kind of six months, my business got to a point where I was fully booked I was doing about 30 to 40 sessions a week and then the year after I got up to doing 60 sessions and I was doing about 60 sessions a week for a good couple of years so that was a really busy patch that was like a really exciting patch because I'd gone from thinking oh my gosh I'm going to be skinned I'm going to be broke people saying when are you going to get a real job like it might not work out maybe you're not quite cut out for this entrepreneurship to then all of a sudden like earning quite good money and to be able to support myself and start saving for a house and, you know, reinvest it into the business. So that was a really exciting patch. Then from like the ages of 26 to 30, I'd managed to save up a £30,000 deposit for the house that we're living in now. So bought that house. Um, I Instead of training people outside, because one thing I've not shared is I used to train people either at the park or train people at the front of a rented house. Because when we left university, obviously we couldn't afford to buy a property. So we live in like a rented house and there's a big drive at the front of the house that I would coach people on. So I spent really the first four years of my coaching outside in all weathers with some rusty old kettlebells, some old equipment that I'd accumulated over the years from being a teenager, Christmas, birthdays, etc, etc. So I spent four years outside trying to build this coaching business. And then to move into a house and we had a spare room and all of a sudden I had a roof over my head, I could put music on, it was like, this is mega. And I coached people inside the house for four years. And again, you know, increased my prices, my reputation started to grow around Sheffield and I had a pretty stable business. I started getting into investing. So I started like a pension, started investing into the stock market, start, I bought a property with my dad uh, in, in Edinburgh. So I got really interested in kind of like other business ventures, but my main thing was obviously my coaching. I started to learn from the best coaches in the world. So I went to a lot of stuff with Phil Lerny, Mark Coles, uh, Phil Graham. I did all the stuff that they did. Went to courses, traveled around the UK, read books. I just became obsessed with my craft. You know, the first eight years especially, that's where I learned so much of, you know, the, the knowledge that I've got to this day. So, yeah, during that batch, obviously bought a house. Did the coaching pretty much from 26 to 30 inside the house Noah came along which was life-changing the best moment of my life I remember when he was born just breaking down into tears I'd never have felt motion like it relief that Sally was okay relief that my baby son was born and just this overwhelming sense of responsibility for like oh my gosh like I'm living for somebody more than myself now this is for me to step up and to be the best that I can become and the first couple of, years of Noah being born, were really difficult. I found it very difficult because I'm very structured, routine, like obsessed with like structure. Having Noah come along and like cry throughout the middle of the night, get sick, get poorly, both of our energy was crashed. And yeah, I found it really, really difficult. I loved it, but I found it really, really difficult. I remember breaking down quite a few times, just not being able to to handle the, the change, even though I loved him so, so much. It was a difficult patch, an exciting patch, but it did give me this great purpose. Then when I was 30, Um, I got a studio built I'd saved up some more money and I decided to get a big studio built in my garden like a proper gym basically so I did that again for pretty much two or three years until we went into lockdown I gone down a bit session wise to about 30 a week just because 60 sessions a week with having Noah just wasn't sustainable Um, and I did that again pretty much for about till about 33 Loved it. Again, going from like training outside to then training inside to then having my own PT studio was amazing. Got another coach involved who for a period of time was working with us for about a year, which was fantastic. Really, really exciting. So the business started to keep growing. I started to settle into family life. And then Darcy came along. Like, amazing. Like, what a princess. Like, I I love her. Every time I look at her, my, my heart just like... My whole body just lights up. So all of a sudden, we'd gone from me and Sally to then me, Sally, Noah, to then me, Sally, Noah, and Darcy. And again, that was a big, big change for us. But something magical, and that for us was like our family complete. We we didn't really want any more children than that. Then lockdown hit. I had to close my business, like, pretty much overnight. And that was really difficult, because, again, we'd gone from doing, like, 80 to 100 sessions a week in the studio. The business was in a really good financial place to all of a sudden, you stopped. You, You know, you're not... You've got to stop your personal training business, which was really worrying. Obviously, having to provide for my kids, not knowing what to do. And I'll never forget my mum texting me saying, "Nick, don't worry. The government are doing payouts to small businesses." So it's like, whew, Thank gosh for that. We're going to be all right after all. And then about two hours later, she said, actually, uh, unfortunately, your business isn't included because you're a limited company. You're one of like the five million people that aren't going to get help. I was like, oh, my God, shit. I remember stressing, panicking. and um, just losing my shit for a couple of days thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to survive? How am I going to look after my kids? And then I just woke up after three days. I thought, right, I've got two choices. I either play victim and blame Boris and blame the world and blame COVID. Oh, I just go on a new path. Nobody cares. It's up to me. Nobody's going to come and save me. It's up to me. So that's when I started the online business, which is what I'm running today, and I've been doing that for three years. Continued to grow the business. And I can honestly say that I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of challenges, but the person that I've become and all the challenges, all the hardships that I've had to go through over the last 35 years of my life, starting again from scratch, um, my dream not working out as a hockey player, failing in business really for the first couple of years, being absolutely broke, um, you know, creating a family, supporting a family, um, having to close my business during COVID and restart again. It's been one heck of a journey, but honestly, I can honestly say looking back, I would not have it any other way because it's made me the man that I am today. For every setback, I've used it as an opportunity to grow and I'm, I'm forever grateful. And I know that all things being well, that I'm fortunate to live, you know, for another 35 years plus, hopefully, I want to live till I'm 100. I still want to be bench pressing when I'm 100, but I know there's going to be lots of new chapters, lots of new challenges, lots of new starts, and that does scare me. But I also starting to believe back myself that I can handle it. You know, I've been through this before just to remind myself that with every hardship there comes a blessing. You just have to be willing to look at it, to reframe it. To surround yourself with good people, Uh, I'm lucky that I've got an incredible wife, incredible kids, incredible mum and dad that love me unconditionally. I've got amazing coaches, amazing business coach, fitness coach, mindset coach. So surrounding yourself with the right people and just looking at your own story, looking back over your life and thinking of all the challenges that you've been through and you're still here, you're still fighting. And um, yeah, so um, I don't know what you thought of that episode, guys. It was just me just really talking to a mic and just sharing kind of my story so far. So we'd love to know your thoughts, if anything stood out, if any of those stories you can can relate to and uh, just be great to get some feedback. So thanks so much for spending 30 minutes of your life listening to me talking about my story. It really means a great deal. And uh, yeah, wish you an incredible week ahead, my friend. As always, my inbox is always open. You can drop me a message at nick at lepfitness.co.uk or message me on Instagram if you just search for Nick screeton or LEP Fitness. Always looking to connect with like-minded individuals and uh, just try and add as much impact and as value as I possibly can. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and I will catch you on the next episode.